It Takes Two. Amy Eiler, J.J. Gordon is away. Jack Sunday is sitting in his spot today. Yep, thank you. And Don Kinsler joins us in studio. Don, welcome to KFGO Radio again. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yes. Don, Don is the uh, Cass County horticulturist and uh, from Extension, and uh, he's been on the Drive Time News Hour with me a couple of times. And uh, Sure, and of course, my good, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm battling the same cold everybody Yeah, in everybody is. Everybody <laughs> in this uh, couple of states. Well, and my good friend, Dave DeCock. Dave and yes. I have known each other for, I think, 45 years. Wow. Our kids went to school together. Aww. And the same church together. Yeah, so Dave's a good that. friend. And Dave will be making a, a reappearance on Plant Talk again this season. Yes, he? he will. You, you yep. know, Don, as long as you're here, uh, let's talk about the fact that this has been an unusual winter. Little or no snow oh, on gosh. the ground. Uh, yay. And, but frigid temperatures that we are going to be experiencing it, but people might wonder if that's going to be a problem for perennials or shrubs and maybe even some trees. You know, what an unusual uh, start to winter. And my gosh, you know, uh, what, a couple inches, almost three inches of rain here in the Fargo area, you know, unfrozen soil, late December. And of course, I've enjoyed not having to shovel snow. Uh, that's <laughs> right. been nice. But uh, for our plants, that's not really what they want. Because snow is a very good insulator, it gives a blanket of protection, uh, which, you know, in many, many years, we'll get that blanket of protection sometime November, early December, so that when the frigid temperatures happen in late December, January, February, those plants are protected under that blanket of insulation. So so, some snow is good, you know, two inches, four inches, six inches, Uh, you know, excuse me, you don't need, uh, you know, three feet. But, you know, some blanket is really, really good. And so, now we worry because we look out at all of these plants. I could have mowed my lawn almost yes, exactly. uh, yesterday. There's and just no no snow. Two below, and a- they're exposed. Exactly. Uh, so now the concern is that this cold is going to penetrate down in, and what's going to happen to our plants. Now, an interesting part is that the above-ground portions of plants, trees, shrubs, uh, can take a fair amount of cold. You know, the things that are well adapted to our area can take 30 below. You know, that's what makes them adapted. But the root system cannot take that cold. So the threshold of cold on many of our adapted shrubs and perennial flowers is about 10 degrees. Okay, so now there's a good way that we can check what the soil temperature is, and that is uh, N-DON, N-D-A-W-N. So if you do an online search, North Dakota Agricultural Weather Network. You got it. (laughs) And yeah, so if you do an online search, you can see the temperature at 2 inches, 4 inches, 12 inches, you know, all the way down to probably 8 feet. Uh, So anyway, I just checked, and that's updated for around maybe 40 sites around North Dakota and parts of Minnesota. And I just did a check. That's updated, I don't know, a couple times during the day. I just did a check, and as of uh, 10 o'clock today in Fargo, at the two-inch depth, it was still 25 degrees, uh, four-inch uh, depth, 28 degrees. Now, out in Dickinson and also up in Langdon, at the two-inch, four-inch depth, it's 15 degrees, 17 degrees. Well, anyway, 10 degrees is kind of a threshold. If our soil temperatures start getting 10 degrees or colder, we could see some very serious damage or death on many of our well-established 
trees, shrubs, and perennials. For example, even things like hosta, peonies, daylilies, uh, we could see death if that soil temperature gets 10 degrees or colder. And so I, I am concerned. I mean, I, I'm an optimist. I think it, it's all going to be okay. But if we start getting temperatures, 2-inch, uh, 4-inch, 8-inch, that are getting close to that 10 degrees, we could see death on some of our things. So in the spring of the year, if some of our things don't emerge, like perennials, uh, we could relate that back to this uh, cold period that doesn't have the insulating snow that it usually would. So I'm concerned. Uh, now, what, what can, is there anything we can do? Uh, well, uh, you know, if we do get a little bit of snow, you can shovel those over some of the tender perennials that you have, things you're most concerned about. You know, if you have your great-grandmother's peony, you know, I'd shovel a little extra snow. Uh, now, I'm going to tomorrow, uh, I'm going to rake some leaves, you know, in the corner of your yard where some of the uh, leaves blow and catch. Okay, I can, with a pitchfork, I can still move some of those leaves. <clears throat> I'm going to take some of those leaves and put them over some of my tender perennials. If you have access to straw, <clears throat> I got that annoying tickle yeah, in my throat. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, those are my apologies. Um, so if you have access to straw, straw is a very good insulator. And so anything you can do, if you can, to those perennials, uh, you know, do so. And so I'm hoping before we get a very prolonged, deep cold period that will put that cold deep, deep, deep and continue to go deep into the soil, I'm hoping we get a little bit of snow. Mm -hmm. So parts of the state that do have some snow, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Now, here's a tip uh, that would come from our closing the barn door after the horses leave. Dave DeCock used to recommend that if you had large bags of, of leaves and, and, and grass and things like that, that you might want to put oh, that absolutely. As, as insulation. But that's that, if that hasn't been done, that's a moot point. But another question I would like, uh, I've been reading that uh, a lot of important insects, uh, butterflies, bees, etc., lay their eggs or, or whatever in the in the stuff on the lawn and in the garden. And so they're recommending that people really should leave some of those things on the lawn as opposed to raking them up or taking them up with your, your lawnmower and removing it from the, the soil for the preservation of certain right. insects. Right, now that's kind of a good news, bad, <clears throat> good news, bad news type thing where some of our uh, uh, dangerous, damaging insects might be killed by these temperatures, but some of the beneficial things that we depend on, they could also be damaged. But, you know, I'm a, a strong advocate of leaving at least two inches of kind of fluff on your lawn. You know, leave that, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't uh, 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 shave the lawn so greatly. But again, like you said, you're kind of, um, you know, closing the door after the horse has been stolen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, another thing we ought to bring up... Be- I haven't received any seed catalogs yet. Are you, oh, are you I, getting them? Yes, I've got about 10 already. Okay. Yeah, and once you're on the mailing list, uh, oh, and those are fun. You know, as we're looking at some cold temperatures, that really does warm and brighten the day. I yeah, love yeah. Uh, sitting with a cup of coffee, thumbing through the seed catalogs. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are, when I'm looking, I'm frequently asked, oh, well, what are some of the things you look at? Well, we all love tomatoes. And one of the key things when you're shopping tomatoes, whether it's in a seed catalog or you go to the garden center, is to look at the number of days. It'll be on the tag or on seed catalogs. It'll be in the description. 
And uh, we all want good main season tomatoes. Okay, well, they all list the number of days. And if our main season tomatoes should be about 65 to 78 days, okay, that's the good. If they're 80 days or longer, some tomatoes are 100 days. They're going to ripen maybe late September, October. Um, if it's 80 days or longer, so keep in mind 80, 80 days or longer, those are going to be late tomatoes. So it's fine to have a few of those. But if that's all you planted, you're going to be waiting a long time. So, you know, maybe get some early tomatoes, get those main season, you know, 65 to 78 days and a few. But don't put all your tomato eggs in the 80 degree, <laughs> 80 days and, and longer. And so it's kind of fun. Same thing with peppers and melons. Melons are very uh, season dependent. So you don't want to choose something that's going to be too late for our area. Flowers are probably less dependent. You know, and sometimes it's kind of interesting too. Um, if you order from seed catalogs, is that cutting down our, our important locally owned uh, garden centers? And really not. They've done a lot of surveying and uh, seed catalogs and ordering from seed catalogs actually gets people inspired and they actually buy more, both seed uh, from seed catalogs and the locally owned. So it all contributes to more gardening. Hey, <laughs> and that's fun. I love that. It if, is fun. If if you uh, if you have seed left over, where should we store them? Uh, well, the spot it, not it, to do it is when I've been guilty of this: not to put it out in your garage where it's going to be hot and humid all summer. So the best, if you haven't used all your seed, is to put it in a closed jar in the refrigerator. <clears throat> and one thing that really works too. You know those little desiccant packages that come in uh, almost anything we order? You know, yeah. Electronics, a little. Okay, enclose that in the jar of seeds, too. And then put that, you know, you put the pack of seeds in a jar, close it, or, you know, put the desiccant package in first, and then put it in the back of the refrigerator. That, like, little silica gel yeah, or whatever, exactly. those little oh, packets. Yeah. yeah. That will help keep the seeds dry. Oh. Sometimes they're in your shoes when yeah, you buy them. Yeah, almost anything I've ordered has yeah. had those little packets. And, and, and is, what does it keep, do? That helps keep the humidity down okay. and the any moisture out of those seeds. Okay. Because seeds, the key is cool and dry. Yeah, I love it. How much time oh. do we have, Amy? Thinking about, uh, we have just a, just a minute or two left. Okay. All right. You, do you have another question? No. Well, I've got one, and okay. that's rabbits. Uh, oh. With, with the, what little snow we do have, <laughs> yes. I'm watching rabbit tracks because this is the time of year the rabbits are going to get really hungry. And they go for uh, shrubs, trees that are in the rose family. Okay, so naturally rose bushes. But also in that same family are apple trees, plum trees, pear trees, June berries. <clears throat> They're all in that catoniaster. They're all in the rose family. And there's something in that bark that's very flavorful. And so watch all of those. Uh, and prepare against rabbits. Yeah, I have Katoni asters, and I have rabbits too. too. But, you know, uh, and I love that bush, that shrub, but birds won't eat those seeds, those (laughs) berries. They must, are they poison? Uh, They're not poisonous. Uh, Being in the rose family, they're not poisonous, but they're not very palatable either. Even for a bird. (laughs) Even for a bird. Wow, okay. I like that. Um, and if you haven't already, I suppose those newer trees to put that that white 
cap over the, the white trunk. wrapping around. Yes. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I do. And very important to uh, wrap fruit trees, uh, especially when they're young, because when we do get snow, uh, they're susceptible to sun scald. The sun reflecting off of the bright snow can give a sunburn to the trunk the same way a skier can get a sunburn mm, in the wintertime. Yeah. And so the wrapping helps two ways, both against the rabbits and also against the winter sun scald. I didn't know. Okay, right yeah, now it's my a yard does deal. my yard doesn't have enough snow to give any sun scald, yeah. but I still wrap the trees. To uh, prevent the uh, rabbits. Rabbits, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. a good good another good question too. Are there repellents for rabbits? Uh, all the repellents are hit and miss. And so the best way is exclusion with either hardware cloth, um, chicken wire, or a very firm wrapping. I will say that my dogs do a great job oh, at the yes, rabbit repellent yeah, job. That's so, maybe um, right along with the fencing. Two big two big dogs and a fence. <laughs> That'll help. It'll so, help. It'll help. <laughs> that's great. So I'm always on the lookout for what little snow we do have. I'm watching for rabbit tracks. And as soon as they start nibbling then I need to go into action if I haven't already protected. That's when I buy carrots and put on my deck. That's a good idea, well, too. If, yeah, if we could send them all to Jack's, that's a great idea. Yeah, well, Let's that, just send that, them to Jack's. That works for me. Live trap and bring them over. I'll, I'll print your address. <laughs> <laughs> I'll print your address on a carrot. How will that be? Don Kinsler, K-I-N-Z-L-E-R. The Cass County Horticulturist, and yeah. you ha- you have a blog at. Uh, I, the- I do. Uh, it is everybody's yard and garden guide. Uh, if anybody has any questions, uh, feel free to email me at NDSU. It's Donald.Kinsler at NDSU.edu. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank you thanks. so Great much. Great joining you. Yeah, it was so fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thanks.